Welcome, data people. We are Zuma. My name is Matt, and this is the Data for Good podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Zuma. Zuma, Zuma is a dedicated recruitment company focusing on data positions across Berlin. The Data for Good podcast is for the world of data science, analytics, and engineering, giving you a platform to hear the thoughts and opinions of data leaders from Berlin and beyond. Today, we are joined by Dimitri Yanta, VP at Deutsche Bank. Dimitri, welcome. How are you? Hi, Matt. Hi. Hi, I'm good. Thank you. And you? Very, very well. Thank you. Very well. For the listeners who, who don't know who you are, a quick introduction would be fantastic. Yeah, thanks, Matt. So, brief intro of myself. Uh, I work in Deutsche Bank for maybe uh, 10 more years. And uh, overall, I spent uh, maybe 15 years uh, in technology, starting from startups and now working in, uh, as many people will say, like established enterprise environment. So really very interested to share experience that uh, we see in finance world and that might be really helpful and useful for other people in, in this overall data science uh, data area. Absolutely. Coming from Deutsche Bank, of course, uh, we'd have to ask you about finance and you're going to give us some rich insights. And in particular, um, today we're going to talk about financial modeling and how we can use this to help and support the ever-growing data science world. So a quick intro into financial modeling for those who don't know. What is it in simple terms? Well, in simple terms, uh, financial models help you to understand how market behaves. So it helps you to understand how you best deal with your, with your trades and the portfolio of trades, which is a combination of everything that you, that you have on your books. And in terms, of, in terms of history, I would say it's quite rich, again, compared to data science. So first models appeared more than 100 years ago. And really super well-established models appeared in 1970s. So this is a very famous Black Scholes model uh, that had a Nobel Prize. And actually that, that really transformed, transformed finance world and the way uh, we think about financial risk. So that was probably the starting point. But now I would say we have quite established theory of uh, how we deal with uh, with markets how we model them and we already have quite quite many um quite many changes in the area and i think uh practices that we have to develop during what maybe 30 years or so yeah. they might be really interesting for for other people to, to understand and maybe this kind of this can be kind of a proxy for data science world, how it can develop maybe further in the next you know, five or 10 years. Yeah, it's uh, an area that's going strength to strength within data science, of course. So how can we use these established kind of industry-wide practices in finance to support our data science projects over the next five, 10 years? So I would I would may, maybe just go a bit into the history and to understand how basically it developed. So 
again, you have a very well established, uh, very established mathematical models for this, but now you try to, to put them into real life. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to real life, so basically you have, you can imagine quite significant and you know, quite big organization like a bank or maybe a hedge fund. And they try to assess their portfolio. So they might have millions of trades or maybe uh, hundreds of millions of trades. And they would like to understand what risk they take with them and yeah. how basically to manage it. So on the one hand side, you have something that is written in this book, like proven, absolutely accurate. On the other hand side, you have very, like very real life thing mm-hmm. with sometimes it might has just errors in the data. You have to work with it, not just as a one-off exercise, like one-off, I would like to understand where I am in the, in the, in the whole, let's say in the whole market, but mm-hmm. I would like really to build the way that I can uh, deploy different different approaches to to understand my portfolio. I would yeah. like to develop my models as market develops. So obviously markets that used to be, you know, 30 years ago and now they are a bit different. They might be not different fundamentally, but there are different features that you would like basically to reflect on your models. And you have actually, if you think about it, you have to build a chain of models that mm-hmm. started maybe 40 years ago from something that was really written in the book, in the textbook, to yeah. something that's absolutely modern and that has to reflect what's really happening in the world. Okay, so to work with the model risk um, that, that you're talking about and to implement this process, of sustainable model changes. Tell us more a little bit about that. Yeah, indeed. So I think sustainable here is really a good word. So you think about you think about an unbreakable change of your understanding of of uh, in the environment you're working with. So and if you just look into this very technically, then again you have you might have a paper like paper from well known well known mathematicians. Then you have to put it uh, into uh, into production, actually, where this model really calculates your portfolio, analyzes your risk, and produce meaningful results. And then you have to build on top of this model additional features, but you would like to first of all to ensure uh, that you do not that you do not produce uh, some false positive uh, some false positive results. You would like to ensure that the way that you looked into your risk like 10 years ago is some something consistent with what you see at the moment, which actually put us in a, I would say completely different situation, not just uh, maybe invent or describe uh, your particular particular market segment, but really to build, I would say the whole infrastructure and system that allows you to implement sustainable models that you have your back tests that, um, uh, you have your, um, your your controlled framework where you understand where, you, for instance, your model lays between your parameters, whether it's expected or not expected, whether it's a problem of implementation or something really changed, uh, something really changed uh, in your portfolio or in the environment. So itself, um, itself, I would say, is a completely different process from what might be considered as really this uh, naive understanding of, of modeling. Like, I have a problem 
let's let's get to uh, let's get to it let's let's build uh, i don't know uh, let's let's bootstrap some 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 super super good algorithm and let's solve it so the thing is that you have to solve it every day multiple multiple times you have to change it and you have to prove that it's really consistent and at some point maybe like 20 years ago you had to prove it only for yourself just to be yeah. ensure that you are in line with the with with the reality i would say with the markets but now you also have to prove it not for yourself but for regulators so there is already a regulation for financial financial and model risk that you have to follow actually uh, they give you a set of rules that you just mm -hmm. have to uh, have to implement and have to prove it. So that's that's kind of you know that's completely different thinking. So it's not just like I am putting a particular I'm implementing a particular approach to solve my particular business problem, but I have to do it really in the right way. So I think this that's really this really might where 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 we might think about. Uh, the data world that might lead to might lead to so probably we have somehow to agree on the on the methodology that uh, that produces sustainable models and produce sustainable results and i think that's that's really a key that's really key for us for people yeah. who work uh, on technology side and i think that's a key for uh, for for stakeholders so obviously they would like to get uh, they would like to get sustainable sustainable results and some kind of predictable results what challenges uh, present themselves when we're not focusing on sustainability in our models. What 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 issues would we have? Well, first of all, um, again, if we if we just uh, if we just take uh, some um, some historical view, you just probably on the one hand side you just can miss some opportunity, and in finance mm. it's really it's really very obvious. So you have an immediate feedback. So if you just make it wrong, you just experience money losses, like as mm -hmm. easy as that. If you are right, then you you can you can prove and you can provide more efficient service. And this is the feedback loop is um, quite fast, I would say. On yeah. the one hand side, on the other hand side, you have a very high cost of an error. And this is actually this is actually I think. Uh, uh, we have, uh, let's say, another story to tell. Uh, when, maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, we saw an increase, an increase in algorithmic trading. Yeah. So when people started to develop something ad hoc algorithm to execute electronically on the platform, on the platforms. Actually, we saw quite a few, maybe not quite a few, but some very significant errors mm -hmm. uh, that came from technology, but impacted the market as a whole. So there were some famous incident like night trading. So that one company deployed um, uh, deployed into production. Uh, so they they considered production as a stress test environment, and they actually tried to make a stress test and they really make a stress test of the whole market which actually leads on the one hand side company almost um almost uh, they, they they almost put it to, to bankrupt 
and they had to um, to ask for money. But on the other hand side, like real people who or people on the market who didn't thought that it's who didn't think that it's just you know just a stress test, they basically they basically um, had a negative impact. So they so market market experienced significant volatility, mm-hmm. and actually this error of one particular participant impacted others, which resulted uh, at the end in regulation of how you basically you you manage your algorithmic trading mm-hmm. platforms. And again, you have your model, which basically allows you to, on the one hand side to automate some of your manual work, yeah. to, to automate some hedging algorithm. But on the other hand side, it can impact. impact it, it can impact not just you as a, as a participant of the market, but the whole market itself. And this basically where regulators again came uh, with the message that you have to follow some rules for algorithmic trading, and then again, we we started from we started from more or less kind of uh, more more or less greenfield risk models, yeah. and they ended up with regulations, algorithmic trading, and those ended up with regulations. Again, may, maybe a bit unrelated field, but they ended up with some rules that uh, market participants have to follow. Okay, so. Risk calculations, electronic trading, they need to stay very close, not only for uh, individual, but for the market as well. And that's where the regulators have come in um, to make sure there's no foul play, it sounds. Have I got that correct? Well, um, I would say so. The thing is that uh, at some point in time, these areas become uh, these areas become quite sophisticated, mm-hmm. and you cannot just simply look into anything and clearly say whether it's right or wrong. So you have to again, really, not just make an expert judgment whether it kind of whether it describes I know your risk, your your market market segment well enough. But you really need to prove it as an as a number of tests, which makes uh, the whole um, the whole process uh, not so flexible, but more sustainable. And why we have to follow this in more sustainable way? Because just like an error, you just because think about it, like an error in formula may yeah. impact you <laughs> as as a person on the market. So, which is kind of kind of strange, right? So it's kind of just somebody makes an error. Uh, but impacts other who actually have uh, and they they have, they have nothing to deal with it. It's just you know just the fact that you have super super efficient market and they are they are super interconnected. So are we aiming for more robust models as opposed to flexible models? We we are made, we we are aiming to I would say more. Um, and actually, that's a good point. So we are moving to more I would say robust environment. Mm-hmm. So you might not have, so you might have like, let's say quite an experimental model, but you have to define very well uh, where it can operate. It has, it should have very well set limits. Mm-hmm. It can, it can operate within those limits, but it not can, can it, it cannot hit upper bound or lower bound. If it, if it goes up or below, you just have to terminate automatically. And that's kind of, uh, uh, that's kind of frameworks that 
I would say most of market participants, uh, most of market participants have. So you have your algos yeah. uh, that operate with some limits. And actually, if they if these algos hit any of the limits, they will be automatically stopped. So it's kind of flexible, but within uh, within the controlled uh, within the controlled framework. So how can these robust models? Uh, how can they be used in kind of mission critical tasks like risk calculations or electronic trading? So uh, again, you need to think about you need to think about uh, uh, this algorithm as something that operates on the one hand side fully automatically, mm -hmm. on the other hand side it operates with the real real life data and works like 24 hours by six, uh, six days per week. Um, so again, you just, you, you will be in position to understand the overall output, but sometimes it will take you days to understand the particular calculation, mm -hmm. which for instance, if you put, if you, if you put yourself on the place of stakeholder, you yeah. really trust the calculation and you really need to trust uh, how it works. And that's, I think, uh, one of probably um, one of common challenges if we if we speak about data science. So you have you have something mined from from the data you have and you have some output like telling you that you should operate a business in this way. But trust doesn't come for free right so you need to somehow to prove it you need somehow to explain it and that's actually one of the dimensions that i see some interest in finance in this explainable ai mm -hmm. where it's not just like a super black box but something that you can uh, you can articulate how it's built and you can articulate your principles and these principles and in 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 world of, of financial models, these are conditions of the uh, conditions where you can apply this or that logic. They are super yeah. critical. They are super critical because you understand your again you understand your case, and you, you and you can operate within within these limits. If you have to move from one market to the other, if market conditions change, then yeah. you have to adapt. And how you have to adapt? You have to adapt somehow sustainable. You have to prove that these results that you uh, received in uh, situation A are in line with situation B and you you can you can really you can make the bridge between those two so um that sometimes that sometimes may may really may really sounds like a bit of art but in fact uh, in fact uh, just uh, like um, quite uh, quite a big amount of work and if we speak about uh, if we speak about financial financial institutions and and uh, big big banks mm -hmm. you have quite a big department uh, people that are on the one hand side they are in technology on the other hand side they understand the mechanics and the mathematics of the model and basically they have to work together and they have to build platforms that support these changes and you have to understand and you have to understand uh, mathematics behind it, and you have to understand your boundary conditions so that might be really a challenge when you when you come when you when you come up with the uh with like super generic model that you just that you somehow bootstrapped out of you know two three more or less standard uh, standard approaches just put them together. Sometimes you don't really understand the mechanics inside it, mm -hmm. and this might be your weak point.
because if it breaks, you don't really um, you don't really tell what was um, uh, what was uh, what was the problem. Whether the problem is in the changed conditions or the problem is how you describe how you describe it and how you uh, um, how basically you built um, you built your algorithm. And and how would we find out which it was? Was it the environment or was it the model? Um, so there are, I would say, there are a few ways to, to address it. So first of all is, uh, first of all, is you make, you can make your, I would say, I would say just quality checks, quality okay. checks, mm -hmm. uh, quality checks. So they might be quite synthetic, but I don't know. Let's let's just imagine that we would like to. It will be absolutely ridiculous, but let's let's imagine that, that we would like to predict uh, how long the day is, like how many hours is in the day. So, like some uh, check that sounds reasonable. That, for instance, in the day, it's it's uh, you have I know you might have twenty hours in the day, twenty four hours in the day, thirty hours a day, but maybe uh, not more than fifty hours a day, or for sure. Um, you should have in the day fewer hours than in the month. So uh, sometimes you just understand how your different parameters of the moment of the model should be like something is should be more than like parameter A should be more than parameter B output parameter. So you yeah. kind of understand that at least it's it's not it's not controversial. Uh, then you might have your synthetic tests that actually, for instance. And again, that, that's I would say quite common in the industry. That, for instance, you take you take your trading day, you take your trading day, and you just simulate all and all models should pass this uh, trading day, mm -hmm. and you kind of understand uh, what are the different outputs, and whether they, whether these outputs are in line with was was with with the, the with the parameters that we really observed during during that trading day. So like one is just quality check, the other is um, just a synthetic test that you 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 really you really have to follow. And the other one, uh, which is a bit more complicated, is uh, when you make an incremental change, you should see expected change in the output result. So something that in, in mathematical world will called like stable stable change, right? So for instance, you you add some feature on top. And you understand that your output results should be fundamentally different. So mm -hmm. you shouldn't really, really uh, with the, with additional features or with additional uh, assumptions plug in instability of the output results. So like model A, model B, and they somehow in line. They might be not exactly the same. They should be different, but they should be in line. Should be somehow laying in the same in the same in the, in the same area. Okay, awesome. Um, now, th thanks for sharing that. That's helped me understand as well. Um, a point that we've discussed previously um, is false positive results mm -hmm. and how frequent ac access to data can produce this. So tell us a little bit more about that. What, what are the problems with false positive results? So uh, this is something that uh, I'm, I'm really I'm really glad to share because I think this is something that you would really should know uh, in in this data world. So mm -hmm. um, again, in finance, 
you can find quite a few papers with strategies, with let's say investment strategy. And they like more or less structure the following, like you can implement the strategy and you can earn more than the market. Mm -hmm. So how they are normally built in you know these days. So you have your uh, market price of different uh, stocks, bonds, whatever. You somehow combine the, them together yeah. and make kind of an artificial portfolio that performs performs better than the market. Yeah. So kind of I would say quite 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 obvious approach, but quite naive. And why it's naive? So uh, interesting, interesting, um, interesting about finance that you work with data sets that are mostly publicly available when you try to implement your your portfolio strategy. So, like everybody can get access to you know any any kind of share price. Yeah. It might be not it might be not like super um, super precise, but at least you can get the idea. And then what what actually happened? So you, we have quite a few papers where they say like we have implemented we have uh mined let's say this strategy it's profitable but if you would like to replicate it then you'll fail yeah and the question is like why it's happening so there are there are actually fundamentally two two reasons as as as, as many researchers consider so first reason is sometimes that analysis analysis in the market they are super short living so yeah. for instance, you might have a particular opportunity. You can your portfolio can perform better than the market only for a week, sometimes only for a few hours. And then it just disappears. So market mm -hmm. super yeah. and these anomalies, they are super short living. That's that's kind of I would say a valid reason you cannot re you cannot reproduce because this is super short living. Yeah. Another thing is that actually puts us into this um, the so-called uh, false positive strategy theorem, which is a bit, I would say, mind-blowing. So imagine you have uh, your portfolio performance measures called sharp ratio, where it's uh, just a fraction of your return over your risk in this in kind of... Yeah. So the, the better, normally, the better it is, uh, the better your, 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 the better you manage the portfolio. Kind of like yeah. Okay. Um, so there is a theorem that actually proves the fact that the more, the more, the more time you get access to the data, the better is an estimation for this sharp ratio. So it's not about I would say how how you built uh, how you created this uh, this investment strategy. Mm -hmm. But just due to the fact that you get access to the data and you tend to overfit your model. And this actually produces false results. This produces false results just from overfitting. So too much data. Uh, too, much, too much access what? to the data. Too much access. Okay. So again, you can think about it. So because you can think about just more or less you have all your all your, all your uh, market indicators and you try to try to combine them in the way that they seems to produce like super good results mm -hmm. and in fact uh, if you tend to get access to the data like hundreds and millions of time 
you tend to overfeed just due to the fact that just just basically to this based on the serum and and it's interesting that there is just you know there is a formula that gives you this indication uh, how basically um, uh, how basically it tends to overfeed mm -hmm. and um, this is this is where some uh, some researchers they basically uh, put it into their into their in, in the way how they how they assess their strategies. So basically, they understand. So, for instance, I come up with a, with a, like super bright idea, uh, yeah. how to how to how to make portfolio better than the market. Then I bring 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 it to them. They check how many times I get access to the data, and then they basically understand what is my expected sharp ratio just based on the fact that I had you know. 10 times or you know, 10,000 times get access to the data and what is my yeah. real result? And if my real result is below this um, maximum expected sharp ratio, you know, that just, it's, it's likely that's just, uh, just an overfitting. So how can we learn from this? How can we improve off the back of these research papers? Well, that's, um, um, that's, that's, Actually, quite, 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 quite tough question, um, and it's tough um, in the so in in two aspects. One is that uh, it becomes quite. You have to deploy quite sophisticated strategies. You have to deploy quite sophisticated strategies. You have to really control how you get access to the data, whether you have good enough number of out of samples mm -hmm. tests. And again, in finance, it might be um, so. You might test something for ten years up to today, but obviously, you don't have out of samples. You don't have. <laughs> so, if you want to get uh, get another ten years, obviously, you have to we have to wait another ten uh, ten years. Uh, yeah. and so, it doesn't it doesn't really work. So, you have to really control this amount of out of sample uh, out of sample tests. Yeah, this point number one and. Um, Point number two uh, is, uh, I would say, sometimes it's, it's even more sophisticated to understand. But uh, again, some if I'm just reading some of the some of these papers, so uh, they give a very interesting idea. So data gives you an insight what you can formally prove. Just think about it. So yeah. you just explore the market. You explore how it works. You find some interesting, um, some interesting effect, and then you try to prove it formally and mathematically. This is kind of super, super hard to be honest to do. Yeah. But actually, if you find something that is really in this shape, that first of all, you can explain it, not just like I checked it and in the, in, in my in my data set it works, but mm -hmm. I can really somehow prove it. That's uh, I would say uh, I would say a result of uh, a different different quality. That's one thing. And the other thing is that I really understand how X to the data may may impact my result. So it can just I, I, I really I really manage this. So in in uh, in this finance world we manage this this model risk, and in data world actually have to manage your risk of overfit. It's also kind of model risk. But it's it's really it's really comes to, you know from the from the nature from the nature of this area.
So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting story. So on the one hand side, data empowers you. On the other hand side, it's, um, it may, it may lead you, it may lead you to uh, just to wrong results. Yeah, it's, uh, I think we could probably go deeper into this for, for, for many hours. I think it's a super interesting topic that data can help data can hinder. And this is one of the examples of that. Um, now, one topic that um, we'd like to close with, um, your view on, on data science in with data and finance and the kind of challenges that we have in adopting some of the, the techniques. And yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Um, uh... So what what I see what I see maybe uh, what I see recently is that in finance we kind of accept the fact that uh, you have to deploy you have to deploy this modern technique AI uh, and uh, data driven model so you have to somehow adopt um, and it's not it's not already it's not already something that could make. Uh, positive impact, but mm -hmm. something that already worked for quite a few participants. Again, you, you might argue that, for instance, uh, what can work for uh, for hedge fund may not work for some other participant. But the fact is that on the market, you have players who deploy these uh, data-driven models, and they're quite successful. So it's kind of already it's kind of the fact. So you cannot you cannot really challenge it and say that this is something that will not fit for for purpose in this area. So it will fit for purpose. the The most challenging bit is how basically you incorporate specifics of the of the area into 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 the modeling, mm -hmm. and this is this is really where where you have to have to deploy. Um, and have to have to have to deploy models that that are also tuned for finance finance applications. They mm -hmm. are tuned for finance application, and they are not tuned just in the fact that you put finance data in, into them, but they are tuned to the fact that you kind of understand how they work and uh, their mechanics is in line with what we know already about the market. So this is uh, this is a combination where you have to incorporate knowledge. Uh, from the industry into yeah. math that sits behind that sits behind um, what you uh, what you what you apply, and that's 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 actually I would say that's that's actually a challenge. But this challenge, I think, it's 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 being resolved because if I look back, maybe ten years ago, uh, most people do not consider uh, ML seriously. They just said that we have like our well-known Nobel Prize win winners models from the book. We can work with them. We have super solid mathematics behind them. Yeah. Well, but actually it changed and uh, you cannot just simply ignore it. And, you know, I think it's, it's, really, it's really important for people who work in this area on the one hand side to understand the challenge in finance like we don't have super big amount of out of sample data. We can sometimes we cannot reproduce markets. Then you have a super super significant cost of failure, and sometimes mm -hmm. you cannot make particular failures. 
So it's, um, I would say it has its own nuances, but I would say there are people who really, who really work into this direction and uh, at least narrative has changed. It's, it's for sure. Absolutely. I think it's exciting times ahead. Uh, unfortunately, that's all we have uh, time for today. Uh, I want to say thank you very, very much, Dimitri, for your, your time and uh, your rich, in rich insights. I hope you enjoyed today. Yep. Thank you, Matt. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Perfect. And to the listeners, as always, drop any questions and feedback in the comments section. Uh, and don't forget to like and share so we can reach as many people as possible. But for today, it's bye from us. Thanks once again, Dimitri. Thank you, Matt. Thanks. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.